Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to be sitting across from the screen uh, with uh, Robin Campbell. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to see you and to hear your voice. It has been several months since we've connected. Uh, And you are someone that um, you're on my mind often and you're in my heart. You're someone who played a very important role in um, my own curiosity and development. And I'm excited to catch up and and share more. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yay. Um, So the first question that I always like to start with is what is in or on your heart today? I'll just take a moment and connect inwards and check in. Yeah. I'm noticing there's a bit of heaviness um, and there's a bit of lightness as well. Um, And I think the heaviness is just really connecting to what's going on currently around the COVID virus and its impact in my life, but also in many people's lives that are dear and near to me. Mm. And uh, there's also uh, a sense of relief um, that this is, it's been a pretty busy point, busy time until this point, Mm. Uh, teaching, wrapping up things, switching to online. And so a lot of that has completed and so it feels there's a bit of relief there too. and there's in the lightness too. Uh, there's an excitement being here in this conversation. So, mm. first time to do a podcast and uh, really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. to join you in it is like wonderful. Great oh. way to start. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a gift! This is your first podcast. Well, that mm-hmm. just you know, I feel a little sparkle just pop up in me. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I, I want to dive in a little bit of, you know, our history, how we know each other. Um, and that can even then take into a little bit of story time for you, because I would, I would love to hear more about not only what you're doing right now in the world, um, how you show up, but how you got to this point. You know, mm-hmm. I, um, I don't recall, actually, if I've actually heard much of your, your mm-hmm. history or your story. So this will be nice for me as well just to sit and listen um so from my recollection um the first time i met you was three or four years ago mm-hmm. and it was in nora maskey and alice hong's inspired yoga institute um i believe it was the 300 hour yeah. training and you came in was it for a full weekend or a full day Full weekend. Full weekend. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so you came in to do a whole module for us, a whole weekend. uh, And that was when I, so I had already read the book Mindsight by Daniel Siegel. um, So I was familiar with with some of the work that you introduced us to. um, But the experience that you facilitated for us around the window of tolerance um, changed my life. (laughs) <laughs> just getting the verbiage for it and being around your energy 
there was, mm -hmm. you know, not only did I learn so much from you, but there was also something about you that I just had this, this feeling of like, I, I need more of this man in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when you mentioned that you were running a five day yoga life coaching course that would mm -hmm. go deep into mindful embodiment or embodied mindfulness, um, the window of tolerance, um, you know, all, all of that work, which we'll dive deeper into. And I immediately knew there was just this resounding yes, like I was in. And, mm -hmm. and so then I joined you in a, a small, intimate group of people at your home for five days straight. Uh, and I don't remember the timing. I'm sure it was a few months after what we had just done or something. It wasn't that far from, from that initial weekend. Um, and then after that, it's just you know, you're just someone now, you're a pillar in my life, you know, mm -hmm. just the work that you do and who you are, you know, we've had many little one-on-one -on -one conversations since then. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful for you. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would love to hear if there's anything else that you remember from our first meeting, if there's anything to add, but other than that, kind of, I'd love to hear you dive into describing the work that you do and, and how you got to where you are. Yeah. Well, first of all, I always really appreciated you as a student in terms of your deep enthusiasm and uh, and the richness that you brought to all of our conversations. So, Thank you. yeah, this is definitely your path. You're really <laughs> you're really passionate and you're really connected in that way. So appreciate mm -hmm. that. So it's always Thank great you. to have students so engaged. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the quickest way to share a bit about my background. But what I can say is that my interest for the, for the last two decades has really been about uh, inner transformation and what creates change in our life to live to live more satisfying, whole lives, um, optimal lives, and that initially led me started me in the field of yoga and meditation which took me to India and um, taking different trainings, particularly with a teacher, Yogi Vishvaketu in Rishikesh, India. And then over a period of time, I became part of the teaching faculty, teaching mostly philosophy, yogic philosophy and meditation. Uh, during this period of time as well, I decided to pursue uh, my master's in counseling and, and then later registered as a psychologist. And so my hope and aim was to really bridge the gap between Eastern philosophy and practice with Western psychology and find where they can overlap. And um, through that, that really led me into working more somatically as a therapist. Uh, so working holistically with the mind and body um, and seeing how uh, somatic psychology could really inform um, yogic and meditation practices, but also how meditation and yogic practices could really inform Western psychology. Mm -hmm. And so it's always been this fun dialogue. Um, I'm also was part of the yoga therapy program uh, at the Mount Royal University until mm -hmm. it closed recently, but it was right. about 10 years teaching there. Mm -hmm. And uh, currently I work in private practice as a psychologist. And most of my work has uh, been in the field of trauma. Uh, so prior to moving to private practice, I was working at the, at the YWCA Sheriff King home in domestic violence prevention. Mm -hmm. So that was a bulk of where my ex earlier experience was in terms of uh, trauma and family um, systems therapy and such. Uh, but now my practice is really broadened, um, working with a variety of people coming from different, coming for different reasons primarily in around anxiety, depression, um, trauma, inner conflicts, difficult decisions, mm. um, relationships, these kind of things. The fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I, I want you to have answered all your questions there. Yeah, and my headphones are about to die, so I'm gonna turn mm -hmm. this off. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In terms of the, um, I know what our topic today is embodied mindfulness. Yeah. And um, that to me has been a cornerstone in all of this work. Uh, if I was to say, if I was just to say, okay, what is it I do after all these years? 
is that I'm supporting clients and students in terms of navigating inwards into their inner landscape to start to re-experience themselves and finding ways to sustain their awareness inwards and thereby connecting, uh, starting with sensations. Mm -hmm. And that's the one part. The other part to what I would say I do is that then helping, supporting students and clients to be able to um, tolerate and stay with their inner experiences because what happens is that when we encounter difficult places or feelings or sensations, the tendency is to disconnect. Mm -hmm. And so to hold in those difficult places um, is a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's such a great point for us to really dive in um, because it sounds so simple, yet it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I know that when I came into your five-day course, um, the only experience that I could share at that point of my familiarity with this work was how I perceived that I had healed or overcome or at least created a, a huge shift in my relationship with my body and with food. And it was through, you know, 20 plus years of, of really intense struggle with an eating disorder. And then I read a book called The Gift of Our Compulsions by Mary O'Malley. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I had, maybe I had heard this before, but the first time that it landed was to turn towards the sensation, turn towards the compulsion mm -hmm. and love it. Yeah, like yeah. meet it like a wounded puppy or an, yeah. a hurt naive child mm -hmm. and and I it had never it had never occurred to me and not only had it never occurred to me but I also had a moment of like no I can't do that I can't love this part of me that I'm so angry at and I'm mm -hmm. so confused about and it's it was like a part of me that I hated mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and and so I remember the first time that you know, and I remember this so clearly sitting on my couch and I felt that compulsion, that wave, that strong, intense sensation came into my body that I was so familiar with. And my usual pattern was to feel it and then just do anything I could do to avoid it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so if I'm at home yeah. alone, it's, well, what can I go shove into my mouth? Like, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. how, how can I just feel something different or maybe it was like, go work out. Or when it was, when I was younger, it was, you know, what drugs or alcohol can I abuse or what party can I go to? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was anything I could do to avoid it. And, and mm -hmm. I remember sitting on the couch and feeling it, putting my hand on my heart and then the visual of turning into myself and saying, I love you. Mm. Wow. I love you. I'm not mm -hmm. going anywhere. Like, mm -hmm. what is it? It's like, I'm here for you. What, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, you know, and I, I just kept whispering these sweet nothings to myself of like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, it's okay. I love you. I love you. And, mm -hmm. and I remember the sensation grew in intensity to the point where my whole body was vibrating and it, mm -hmm. it just was screaming, like, do something, like, get out, like, get away from here. And I just mm -hmm. kept, breathing and being like no i'm here i yeah. love you right and, yeah. and it i remember it hit a point like a crust and then it subsided mm. and i mm -hmm. felt that energy just kind of flow mm -hmm. out of my body and then mm. i burst into tears mm. and these were tears of joy and loneliness Mm -hmm. simultaneously <laughs> mm -hmm. and I just I just also really loved how you had your hands on your chest as you're talking and sharing that that that, that yeah. commitment to stay with yourself yeah yeah and it's it's those moments that are so precious right that they can really create a shift in our lives yeah. it sounds like it was for you it was huge mm -hmm. it was so big you know to just it changed my relationship with my body in that mm -hmm. moment where I recognized that for years I've been running away from this feeling as if it was going to kill me. And by staying with it, I realized, Oh, well, first of all, it wasn't that scary. It wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. And, and it started, I really perceived that moment as um, when I started 
accessing my internal environment for the first time. Yeah. 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 yeah so the way that I, yeah. I just, the way that I see mindfulness now, I was just reading this the other day, you know, so much of our practice when it comes to mindfulness is about focusing on the external. Mm-hmm. Like what, what can I hear right now? Like, mm-hmm. can I just be mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. laundry? Like, what does it feel like? What am I smelling? You know, these are the potentially the first steps of, of building mm-hmm. up our ability to concentrate or focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to a point where we can be with the external environment. Mm-hmm. And then it's now I have the discipline and maybe the tools and understanding of how to be with something. Mm-hmm. And then we go inwards to be with ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Is that the way and, you teach it? Is starting yeah. with the external? Yeah. Yeah, so the the focus on the external, on our senses, is uh, a very simple practice, but a very profound practice in terms of really grounding us in a level of presence. Um, If we attempt to practice meditation or even bringing mindfulness inwards, and we're not really present, uh, we can often get lost in the experience. And so a nice way that I start um, and, and how I teach is that I invite people to even just look around the room to get connected visually um, to their space. That also creates a level of safety in the nervous system as well as that mm-hmm. there's a sensing of, okay, where am I in space? And this feels safe here. I have all the things that I need here. Right. Um, and then listening to sounds brings another level of presence because um, with sounds, we don't have control over what we can simply observe and listen to and as we do so, we're also cultivating the ability to be okay with whatever is showing up, um, allowing. And, and so through the senses, we're starting to practice the elements of mindfulness, which is really cultivating awareness in a place of acceptance. Um, and as you said, like meeting things in a loving way. Um, if we're not able to meet things in a loving way, even just in a neutral way, or in a kind way, or in a gentle way, um, whatever resonates for, for the person. Mm. And once that gets cultivated, then when we turn the lens inwards, um, is that we can navigate from those two pla- from really those, let's call it like two wings of a bird, the awareness and acceptance that allows us to navigate inwards. And as we move inwards, one thing that I really, um, like to share with students and clients is that what to sort of expect generally Mm. in terms of when we turn our awareness inwards, we're going to notice our thoughts show up. We're going to notice sensations in our body. And I describe what sensations are or the physical sensory experience of like, let's say tightening or relaxing, comfortable or uncomfortable moves as a texture. Yeah. And so I'm starting to get uh, people more familiar with what to expect when we move inwards. Right. And with that, there might be a feeling tone. There might be, there'll be emotions that may show up uh, as well as that sometimes memories show up or yeah. even images or flashes of color. And um, so to kind of give a bit of a map to the inner world so that as we move in, we're able to stay in a place of observing um, and noticing and yeah. and having a sense of what we're experiencing helps parts of the brain to relax a bit to know okay I know where I am like I have a sense of what's going on until eventually we start to trust it more and just be more organically with it mm-hmm. but in the beginning it's a bit more effort until it eventually becomes a bit more effortless right yeah you and, know, and you're also yeah. you're also giving a vocabulary Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that was a big one for me is the, the sensation piece of, mm-hmm. and I'm still adding to my, my list of different ways to describe sensation. Yeah. You know, cause yeah. it's not just, cause what I find often with clients too, at the beginning is like, Oh, I feel good. Or, you know, you're like, uh-huh. you know, asking like, what are you noticing? And it's either very general uh-huh. or it goes right into um, the thinking mind of, oh, yes. I think this is what I need to do. And then yes. I have to keep being like, okay, well, beautiful. Let's put that aside yeah. and move back in. You know, yeah. and it's, it's, it is learning a new language and a new way of, of relating with oneself. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And you're right. I, I totally resonate with that in the sense yeah. that that's often how most people will respond is like, yeah, it feels good or not good. Yeah. Um, and so I go for more somatic detail. Can you describe what that feels like in your body? So I might say, use those words exactly. Can you describe those sensations? Um, if you were to describe, give me a sense of what it feels like inside right now, what, how would you describe that? Right. Yeah. So I use phrases like that because mm -hmm. um, the more somatic detail a person can give, the more level of presence they can sustain that they have. Mm -hmm. If it's very vague and it's, it's a level, it's um, probably slightly disconnected or buffered or a bit further away from their inner experience, mm -hmm. the more fine-tuned we can get into really bringing awareness into the sensation, the more present we are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the the way one of the phrases I've been using recently is to to cultivate the skill of um, perceiving through the medium of felt perception. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm seeing this as the difference between the masculine and the feminine, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That the masculine, the masculine and the feminine, which we all have within us, and and I'm I'm starting to feel more for myself that my my purpose for right now, or at least what I'm really passionate about is, is supporting not only myself, but everybody I come in contact with to, to elevate both the masculine and the feminine within yes. instead of pushing one down or making one better than the other. Mm -hmm. And, and for many of us, the masculine is very strong. It's the, the analyzing and mm -hmm. the making meaning, mm -hmm. you know, the, the planning, the goal setting, the mm -hmm. fire, the, um, the action. Whereas the, the feminine, what I'm starting to realize is just, while we can describe it in many different ways, the way that I'm really, really trying to practice it is simply through the medium of felt perception. Mm -hmm. No matter mm -hmm. what's going on, to have these pauses throughout the day, to just be like, what's going on in my body now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And don't make it mean anything and don't move into mm -hmm. action right away, but spend at least, at least 30 seconds to mm -hmm. just track sensation. That, that reminds me of uh, concepts in neuroscience uh, and then psychology as well, which is the concept of top down versus right. bottom up. Yeah. And I think it really relates to that. And the top down approach is where we're, as you're sharing, maybe more like the masculine approach, which is the analytical, the problem solving, the trying to figure out meaning making part. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of us, I would say in our culture and in the West particularly, we live in that sort of top-down approach yeah. where we're, we're, we're thinking our way through things and making sense of things. And the bottom-up approach is that that's the sensing feeling that then helps to inform a sense of what's happening, which goes from the bottom upwards. Mm -hmm. And so for most of us, we're well-developed from the top-down, but we're um, newer uh, to the bottom-up approach. And... Right. Um, the bottom-up approach is something that I really appreciate more and more because it's being directly with your inner experience as it's showing up inside. And as you stay with it, um, that it actually starts to shift and change and can often bring more awareness, discerning, oh, that's what's going on for me. Mm -hmm. And it can also then lead into, oh, and that's what I need. Um, and then so it helps us to move in our lives in a more authentic way to right. what's really happening inside. Yeah. And what happens inside that we don't really have control over. Um, it happens naturally happens organically, like our feelings and our emotions and sensations. Mm -hmm. um, so even if our thinking part of our brain doesn't want that to occur, the rest of us is, um, is it's occurring in the way that it, it's um, unfolding. Mm -hmm. And analogy of that is like um, a tiny little ant that's on top of an elephant and the ant being that thinking part of our brain and the elephant being the rest of us, <laughs> the whole subconscious, their emotions, our sensations, all that felt sense experience. And this tiny ant is trying to direct and boss around this elephant. And you can imagine that that ant's not going to have much luck, right? <laughs> yeah. Until the ant uh, recognizes and realizes that he or she needs to uh, connect to the elephant to sync up with the elephant, align with the elephant, and then together they can function and they can move. Right. And so that's really the holistic approach is that how we can allow our awareness to drop down inside 
so that we can come into a um, more into a coherent state. Right. Um, yeah. And then operate more from that place. Yeah. And I see that as the, the key, right. Of to that integrative property of, of both systems working. I mm. love the analogy of an ant on top of an elephant. I've used, um, you know, from Jonathan Haidt's work, the, the rider and the elephant, but ah. the ant and the elephant, like yes. that's even more powerful. Yes. Yeah. I love well, there's, that. Where I got that from was a book and I, and I have to look for the book, but it, it's, it was a sto- kid's storybook mm. about an ant and an elephant, but it's cool. for adults. Um, and actually, I have been reading more of uh, Jonathan Haidt's work. Yeah. And then do, yeah, you're right. He does talk about the writer and the elephant and yeah. same, same analogy. Totally. And um, life really changes when we start to give more space for the bottom up approach. Yes. And um, Eckhart Tolle says it in a, in a nice way too, is that we're so good at thinking that we need to give a bit more space and practice to sensing and feeling. Yeah. And I think yeah. that really speaks to that as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, what I want to be mindful of is that, you know, the pendulum swing and how, you know, speaking from my personal experience of growing up in a, a very strict religion, um, maybe strict's not the right word, just a very, you know, I was very embedded in religion mm-hmm. <laughs> growing up. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that I was told, especially in the transition out of the church, my dad left the church and made some really huge waves in the way he left because he's a, a leader in many ways. Um, you know, he, he really, through his own development and sharing with me was that you can't trust your feelings. Mm. You know, you, you, you know, and even with intuition, like you can't trust intuition. You need to understand mm. heuristics. You need to understand the ways that we know things and, and epistemology and philosophy and, and how to analyze so that, you know, cause from his experience, he, he had followed gut instinct and feeling and it took him deeper into the church. And, and he, after the fact, looked back and saw how a lot of that was manipulation mm-hmm. and, um, you know, to have his whole family and church around him applauding him and cheering him on when he decided to go on a mission. And mm-hmm. in that moment, because it felt so good, mm-hmm. it must be true, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so for yes. him after the fact to see that mm-hmm. and then question it and now be, he's so cognitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so now I'm trying to find this place where, you know, I don't want to be an advocate for like, oh, just trust your feelings. What does your gut mm-hmm. say? Because honestly, mm-hmm. my gut can convince me of every possibility in the world if I sat and, and really allowed that to happen. Right? I appreciate, appreciate you bringing this up. And um, it's a question that uh, I'm hearing more surface yeah. in this work because I think it really in, unlocks the reason why a lot of us don't connect or feel into our feelings mm-hmm. i think um because of those experiences we've been hurt by it yeah um and so what i've come to realize is that it's it's um to discern what that is and so i'll give you an example is that um someone can feel really hurt in a relationship and feel the sadness and feel the helplessness but then it quickly goes into anger because helpless and sad is really uncomfortable feelings, very vulnerable feelings. Mm-hmm. So it goes into anger. And then from the anger, it wants to go into action, which is like to cut off that person or to yell at that person. Mm-hmm. And then the person goes has it and does that, feels a sense of relief. Um, but it's not actually accurate mm-hmm. because that's never a satisfying relief. Mm-hmm. There's something that's being held uh, going forward in that, uh, in that, that particular example. Yeah. And so um, when we, so it's, that's maybe more going with our emotions or reacting to our emotions. So the anger is a reaction to the inner emotions. So being with our emotions is actually going into the sadness and going into the um, feeling hurt, helpless, those really difficult places. Mm -hmm. And as we stay there, and as you had your hands there on your chest, as you were saying that, your commitment to be there with yourself is key Mm -hmm. as you feel into that. Then in time you start to work through that and you start to recognize what is really needed or necessary. And it might be that you do need to end that relationship. Mm -hmm. And, but that comes from a different place. It comes less from a reactive, but comes from a really um, um, solidified or or authentic place. 
Um, or it might be that I need to speak to what I really need in order to go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, or I need to apologize. Um, so, but, but before us jumping right into action, where most of us go into, we actually have to sit with our feelings mm-hmm. and to really understand and to discern them, to be able then to respond well. Right. And then doing so is that we move in a whole different way. And so um, maybe even with, with your father, is that the feeling of elation that he's getting that sense of that he belongs and he's being celebrated mm-hmm. this is a magnificent feeling. And that really distracted him from going inwards to what right. was really underneath that for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I've come to realize in, in my work is that um, most of us are disconnecting in ways to our feelings and our emotions. So we're not for, for various reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And the more that we can start to notice our disconnects, the more we can invite curiosity to come back in. Right. Yeah, you know, and even the way that you describe that, the image for me is the iceberg of, yeah. you know, the, the initial reaction, whether it's this feels good or this doesn't feel good, is mm-hmm. just the tip of what's yeah. going on, you know, where we're so complex. And, mm-hmm. and even in your initial sharing of, you know, what is in or on your heart today, mm-hmm. how, you know, it wasn't just like, today's a good day, or like, I'm just feeling this one emotion. No, it was yeah. being able to step back and recognize that actually two seemingly opposite mm-hmm. sensations and emotions are mm-hmm. present and yeah, both are very real. Mm-hmm. And that's often the case is that it is complex yeah. as you're saying and that there are two things and we often want to make it black and white so then we can make a black and white decision. Right. <laughs> but yeah. in actuality is that it's complex, um, but we can get good at holding complexity. We can get yeah. good at being in the gray. We can get good at being in the uncertainty and navigating that because we can only step one foot at a time. We can't know what a hundred steps forward is going to be yet. Right. So it's like how we, how we are, where we are as we move forward in that. In yeah. Yeah. Which is really what even COVID-19 has brought, brought to the surface for us is the, the constant change and the uncertainty that was always mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. but it's just now much more apparent and everyone's seeing it and feeling it at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I see that that's what sort of, surprised me in my work with clients is that what clients are talking about is not just about the COVID, but it's actually what it brings up Yeah. more so in times in life when they felt socially isolated or yeah. times when they felt uncertain. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so on. Yeah. So, yeah. It makes, you know, I've been, um, are you familiar with the book, the presence process by Michael no. Brown? Oh, oh my God. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So I was introduced to it from um, Trevor Yellick. I'm taking his um, breathwork training and one of the prerequisites. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So good. Um, So one of the prerequisites to continue in the training is to, to read through this book. And so I have it on audiobook. and um, part of reading it is you're also uh, invited to engage in a 10 week breathwork challenge or process Mm -hmm. along with the book so that every chapter you read it week by week as Mm -hmm. you add to the the daily challenge of doing this um, conscious connected breathing and so many gems of wisdom from this book so one of them actually is the um, medium of felt perception that's one of the phrases that Michael Mm -hmm. Brown uses that Mm -hmm. as soon as I read that I was like oh my god that's Mm -hmm. perfect way of describing it and he also says this work is not about feeling good it's about Mm -hmm. getting better at feeling Yes. And that to me has been yes. really powerful as well to, yes. be able to recognize that it's not just the tip of the iceberg that I need to yeah. sit with. Mm-hmm. It's to stay with it. Yes. And it doesn't matter if it feels good or not. That's not the point. It's about yeah. getting better at just feeling. And actually that brings my thought to like another big uh, question that comes up around this is that, yeah, when I, the question is like, when I go in, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. right that's a really common experience yeah. and um and often in meditation and mindfulness people are pushing to get to a place of calm mm-hmm. but what they initially experience is the turbulence mm-hmm. and actually that's what you need to meet first is the turbulence you need to to um encourage people to like find a way where they can just sit and notice the turbulence um because there can be a whole level of tension of trying to push through the turbulence to get to the calm 
Um, and by doing so, overriding what they're experiencing inside or mm-hmm. creating a tension in terms of trying to push through. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's the art of being with. And um, it's, it's like any skill that takes time to develop. Um, at times, what I recommend is that if it feels like as you're moving inwards and it feels overwhelming and it doesn't feel helpful in those moments, is that actually to then just open your eyes and come back to presence in your room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use essential oils a lot to help mm-hmm. to uh, re-engage my nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's like feeling like over-activated, um, which is called hyperarousal, like that's like anxiousness or panic, or um, is to use essential oils that calm, such as lavender. Yeah. Or if it's going under-activated, where it's going into what's called hypoarousal, where we're starting to numb out, disconnect, mm-hmm. drift away. You can use more stimulating oils, such as um, a lot of the um, nature smells, like the tree smells or peppermints yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Yeah. And so what it's inviting us back into is a concept um, that Daniel Siegel, who's a um, clinical professor, and um, I think it's in... Um, psychiatry but he's also neuroscience at ucla talks about which is the window of tolerance yeah so we're coming into that middle place uh where our nervous system is feeling regulated and we're able to then be with our inner experiences Mm -hmm. if our nervous system is not regulated it's going to be very difficult to navigate that so you can use other tools to help support your nervous system Mm -hmm. And so the ones I just mentioned is to like come back to your senses can start to help to regulate yourself. Uh, essential oils, doing some movement um, mm-hmm. is wonderful, especially if it's rhythmic and repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so yoga can be excellent for that or qigong or just stretching, whatever it feels good in your body. And then to invite yourself back in um, to the, some of those places. Yeah. So it's kind of like a life raft that you have as you're diving into the ocean is that you're still tied to something and you can always come back to, to get air when you need, Mm. but then your nervous system starts to trust this process of moving inwards because as you move inwards, you're going to experience um, some pleasant areas, some pleasant experiences, but you're also going to re-experience some of the stuff that has not been resolved or that has been held in the system. And those are the more difficult places. Um, but the nervous system is uh, brilliant in the sense that um, in our body, our subconscious mind, our energy body, however we want to call it, because it has the natural inclination to want to bring stuff up to your awareness so that you can recognize it to then eventually see that it's no longer present, it's no longer dangerous anymore, mm-hmm. that I can now let it go. And, right. and then it releases it. And in a nutshell, that's what trauma therapy is like too, is that how we re-experience things to release the, that it's no longer happening. It's not yeah. dangerous. I'm safe now to then allow it to release. And each time we do that, we allow another layer to unfold. Mm-hmm. Now, what I always recommend uh, for clients and, or for students is to also work with a therapist around some of this stuff too. Um, somatic based therapy can so really support breath work that work that Trevor does as well mm-hmm. helps people to start to navigate and release those layers of trauma um, mm-hmm. to then make it easier to be inwards as well. Yeah. And there's something about the power of being witnessed while yes. you're in this process. You know, I've, I've had some pretty intense um, traumatic releases, um, mm-hmm. not only on my own, but also in, um, in small groups or with one teacher. And mm-hmm there yeah it's it's so powerful to be witnessed and loved and seen in that not only within yourself but from a a loving observer and facilitator to just Mm -hmm. to see me in my like grossest or like most broken down inarticulate messiness and to have someone there just observing and loving me the whole time is like i can't even put words to how powerful that is thank you for sharing that because that's really, really quite profound. And I think it's when we're in both really difficult places, it's really hard to still have, as you did, 
earlier, have your hands on your heart and say, I'm still here with myself. Yeah. And we actually need a friend. We need a loving, caring, compassionate person to be those hands on our hearts mm -hmm. um, to further support us in those really difficult places when we feel like we're repulsive, that we're not worthy, that we're not lovable. Yeah. To have someone there and making eye contact and presence, feeling their energy with us. Yeah. Really profound, really profound. Yeah. And so I, I always recommend um, for anyone to have those opportunities to work with someone in in these places as well. Yeah, yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, you know, you mentioned the window of tolerance, and you know, that's one of the, my favorite things to teach people. Um, yeah. <laughs> and 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 because of my own experience with it, is that when I when I learned about hypo arousal, that changed my perspective on myself um, and the world around me. I, mm -hmm. I was familiar with hyper arousal or mm -hmm. fight or flight, mm -hmm. anxiety, overwhelm. You know, it's the stuff that we often talk about, like too much stress is not a good thing and people are moving mm -hmm. too quickly. And we talk a lot about what happens up, up here in hyperactivity. There's too much going on. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overthinking. But when I finally had language to be, to be able to describe the shutdown response, yes. I, I just, I, you know, I can't even describe what that did for me yeah. to just be like, oh, I'm not broken. Yeah. Oh, this is not just my problem. Uh -huh. oh, okay. So when I get into these, these states of, you know, especially when I was younger, it would be days or weeks mm -hmm. of just what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Like I have no energy. I feel mm -hmm. lazy. Mm -hmm. I'm not motivated. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't care about anything. Yet I also know that I do, but I would just get into these states of such disconnection and shutdown um, to finally be able to, to understand that my nervous system is actually trying to protect me Yes. and had just shut down because nothing else was working. Yes. You know? And then to learn these little steps of, okay, if I'm down here below my window of tolerance, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I need to show my body that I actually am safe mm -hmm. and I need to bring in a little bit more energy. Yes. And, and so for me, that's the big one. Um, I still have a, a pattern occasionally. It's gotten so much better. This has been my work now for a few years of really trying to understand my shutdown response. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, I appreciate you sharing that because uh, for a lot of people, awareness, and I liked how you said it, the language around describing the state of what's called hypoarousal, that shutdown. Um, not many people have the language, yet they have the experience of it. Yeah. And uh, that's definitely the default in my nervous system is that I'm less likely to go into hyper. I'm more likely to go into hypo, yeah. which for me feels like also my mind is distracted. I'm into sort of a fantasy. I was staring at the wall for the last few minutes. <laughs> I don't know where I was. Um, there feels like a kind of like a, um, an energy dropping down in me. Yeah. Um, feel lethargic, feeling a little bit of depression. All those uh, signs of that the nervous system is that it can't sustain that those states of activation for long periods that it eventually starts to shut it down. Mm -hmm. And we'll often have a combination of the two. You can have a quick hyper before a hypo or stay in hypo. Something triggers and we go into hyper. And um, the more we get familiar with our nervous system and the more what I call is that we become our own nervous system whisperers. Mm. The more opportunity we have to like regulate and to guide our nervous system back into a place of engagement, connection, uh, back into the window of tolerance. Mm. Um, often that means, as you're saying, uh, moving your body, uh, going out for fresh air, uh, taking a little cooler shower, putting cold water on your face or submerging your face into cold water. Um, these things kind of help to the nervous system to start to shift gears. Breath work is amazing for that. It can really regulate our nervous system, uh, yoga practices, all these things yeah. help to bring us. And so it's like how we don't, how we move away from shaming ourselves when we shift into those states and instead to hold compassion is that, Oh, something happened that triggered my nervous system into this place. I'm going to support myself in coming back into my window. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you do you have like a a step by step process or an acronym or you know a way a simple way for 
not only you, but that you share with clients or students to, to be in this practice? Is it a morning routine? Is it a check-in throughout the day? Like how, how do you build this into your daily life? Yeah, so uh, meditation can be seen as a uh, formal practice uh, where you sit and you're guided or you're, you follow a certain set of instructions. Um, and meditation can be informal, um, what we might call more of the mindfulness practices. And uh, a mindful practice that I use and how I define mindfulness is that being open and aware to whatever is arising. Particularly when I look at mindfulness, I'm looking at it as a, uh, an inward mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, a scientific word for that is uh, introception or inter- introceptive awareness, mm-hmm. where we're attuning to our inner experiences, our inner sensations. And so to mindfulness in an inward way, um, to be with whatever's arising without trying to judge it or change it or uh, fix it, um, but just being curious and open to those inner experiences. And so I call it a mindfulness check-in. And so I, I practice mindfulness check-in a few times a day. What you actually asked in the very beginning as a, um, as a starting place was what I would call um, a mindfulness check-in in my okay. language. And what it is is that being curious, where am I at right now? Just curious. And, and what I know is that when I move inwards in a soft way, in a similar way that I would greet someone I care and love to support them mm-hmm. is the same neural circuitry that is that I'm engaging in inwards um, that I'm supporting whatever is showing up. So I kind of actually look forward to sometimes those contracted places because I know that if I bring a loving presence to those areas and I am able to stay with it, they start to relax and they start to release and they start to reveal what's underneath it, which is mm-hmm. the wisdom. And so it's like a privilege to move inwards and just to check in. Now, it can also help to inform me, maybe I need to shift where I'm heading right now in my day-to-day. Maybe what I actually need to do right now is take a nap. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I feel like I'm just like trying to get through something and I keep trying to think, okay, well, I need more coffee. But if I do a mindfulness check-in simply, it's like what I actually need is a nap. Yeah. And so I take a 20-minute nap. I'm way better for the rest of the day. Mm. And so a lot of what we're feeling inside is actually physiologically related. Hunger, tiredness. Um, it's really more, can be often related to that, but sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's psychological. So we want to get really clear and discerning what's happening for me, supporting that. And then eventually when we come back into our day-to-day, we can act and respond in a, in a way that's more suited to what we're really needing. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, people will sometimes ask me, wasn't well, that being selfish? Is actually no, you're actually when you're more connected in your in, in your own in your insight, in your inner way, the more you're actually gonna live more authentically and people are gonna appreciate that because you're more present to yeah. not only to yourself but to others as well. Yeah. And so it's the gift that you have to give as well in that. Yeah. So a mindfulness check-in can be a minute, it can be mm-hmm. two minutes, five minutes, it doesn't have to be long. Um, but it's just taking a pause twice, three times a day, maybe just once a day to check in with yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And it's, you know, I think one of the gifts of the times that we're in right now is that we do have more space to be doing these check-ins or, you know, the things, you know, many people have been saying of like, I don't have time to meditate or, you know, my morning's too hectic. All these things are going on or, you know, that's no longer an excuse, right? Like I had a client recently who's been struggling with listening to a full yoga nidra. She Mm -hmm. would get so um, anxious and and would start thinking of all the other things that she could or should be doing Mm -hmm. in this time. And and so she shared with me just a couple days ago that, you know, the only thing on her to-do list is do the yoga nidra. And so there's just been this shift where like she can yeah. listen through no problem to the whole yes. thing. Yeah. And I, I love that. I think there's so much wisdom in that, that it's not, 
it's not that you can't do something. It's just, yeah. you know, where, where do we need to create a little more space so that yeah. we can actually access the depth of what we're trying to do in these beautiful. really beautiful practices. Yeah, I know I'm hearing that from a lot of people too, mm. just that exact thing. And, yeah. and, and I also would suggest that um, if you go inwards and what you experience is the angst or the wanting to get busy or that I, I don't have time for this, just to be present with that dynamic. Right. And just notice what, what happens in your body around that. What clenches, what tightens. Be yeah. curious about that. Because right. as you do is that it can be fun even. It can be curious. Like, oh, here I go again. This sensation. I know what that's about. That's right. about me thinking I don't have enough time when I actually know I do have time. Yeah. And so then there can be a lightness with this. Bring humor right. to it even. And uh, we, we, develop a, we develop a different relationship with ourselves. Right. And what I love about that too is that, you know, it's, it's such a common experience for people to think like, oh, that's in the way. When, yeah. No, that's what you're, you can be with. Yes. Right? Like, oh, my exactly. mind couldn't, wouldn't stop, so I couldn't get into it. I'm like, no, just be with the fact that your mind couldn't stop. Like, what is, yes. what is that? Like, that's not in the way. That is the yeah. way. And the only way you can do it is not in a thinking way where most people go to. It's like, well, I'm going to think about it. I should go into the feeling of it, the right. sensing of it. Yeah. What happens in your somatic sensations around that be curious about the somatic piece because mm -hmm. trying to think about the you know that it's like problem is the thinking and you're trying to solve the problem with the thinking, the thinking. And yeah can just right. get circular and you know and it's, it, it doesn't usually work so yeah to drop down and in yeah yeah exactly well you know I've, i um i wanted to share this with you actually but i i came up with uh an acronym for doing this work of, cool. of stepping into it. And um, one of the reasons why actually is, is I've been facilitating this for a few years now. And uh, one of the clients that I've worked with quite consistently, well, off and on, but several sessions, um, was having a conversation with her recently. And we were talking about, you know, the emotional charges and when they come to the surface and, and she ended up asking me, well, what do I do once it comes to the surface? Mm -hmm. And my mm -hmm. first reaction was like, what? What do you mean? Like, we've done this so many times. <laughs> but right after that, it was, okay, it's not simple enough yet. Clearly, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. there needs to be, you know, something that in those moments when we've flipped our lid, we don't, we don't have our analyzing capacities anymore. We need to be mm -hmm. able to land on, like, there it is. These are the steps I'm going to walk through, at least until we get our nervous system um, well, in our body back into the window of tolerance, right? Yeah. So, so the way that I um, wrapped this up was with the the word Brita. So it's uh -huh. a Brita filter. Okay, love it. So, yeah. <laughs> so the first step is breathe. Breathe, yes. Right? So even yes. when you talk about top down and bottom up, um, what I've realized is that the breath is the gateway for both. Yes. The breath is both both the cause and it is the effect, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. it's our way in through top mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. And it's what one of the first things we might notice in a bottom up response mm -hmm. as well as our breath shifts, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so breathe. So find that functional full body breath, mm -hmm. which I always tell people right away is that if you're focused on your breath, your body gets the signal you're not in danger. Yeah. It's right away that starts bringing you back into the window of tolerance. Absolutely. Right? So then it's R, mm -hmm. recognize, uh -huh. recognize that you're in a state, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. whatever that is, where are you on the spectrum from hyper to hypo mm -hmm. or, you know, what, what, maybe there is a really strong emotion. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're sad. Like recognize what state you're in. Mm -hmm. And then I is mm -hmm. identify it. Mm -hmm. So not only identify where it is in your body, is it a mm -hmm. whole body feeling? Is it just in mm -hmm. your chest? Is it just mm -hmm. in your feet, in your hands, in your head? Um, but start getting into the, the raw sensation of it, which we've spoken yes. about, right? So we're now going another layer deeper of what identify the sensation and where it is in your body. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And then T is track it. Track it, yeah. So now we stay with it, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's really what we're doing in this, in this work is going from the top of the iceberg and then we're going in. Mm -hmm. So by being with the sensation, you're going to notice that it changes. It might mm -hmm. grow. It might dissipate. It might move. It might mm -hmm. transform. 
you might notice a pattern of like, oh, my mind just tries to take over. Interesting. But it's going to give you information about um, where you where you are right now. And, mm-hmm. and it's just track it. Just stay with it. And I always start with 30 seconds and everything when it's new for anyone. It's like just 30 seconds, right? You can do mm-hmm. it for 30 seconds. So after we track it, A is address it. Aha. Uh-huh. And that's when we get into the much more complex piece of, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes actually just going through B-R-I-T, that could be it, right? Mm-hmm. Where suddenly it's just out of your system. So um, with address it, it might be, you know, maybe you're in a conversation with someone mm-hmm. and, and you get triggered by them, right? Mm-hmm. So that's going to look very different in terms of how you address it versus if you're by yourself mm-hmm. naturally, right? So um, the other thing that I like to say with address it is, you know, especially even with the time that we're in right now, it's, there's a lot of heaviness, you know, Mm -hmm. so you might go through B-R-I-T and then still just be with the heaviness. Yes. So after you've already been with it and you've honored it, now it could be time to transform it. Yeah, exactly. Step is always be with it. We don't want to avoid or or just say, I don't want to feel this. So I'm just going to move right into this. Mm -hmm. First dive in, explore it, be with it. And then if you recognize, okay, I was just with it and mm-hmm. I'm feeling stuck or it's still really heavy, mm-hmm. then we can use heart-brain coherence mm-hmm. to actually transform back into that higher vibration of whatever emotion that you actually do want more of today. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fantastic. I was writing it down as you were saying it because I was you're like, oh, this you. is great. I'm going to start to <laughs> try it on myself. And then if you're okay, I'll share that with my students and clients as well. I love it. Yeah. And um, I think you're also touching on the fact that all of this in experiences, there is a cycle to it. And sometimes it requires outwardly action. And sometimes it's just being with, which is enough for it to complete, for it to be seen, felt, and then it can release. Um, But sometimes it'll keep showing up until we take action as well and how we address it in our inner relationships and interrelationships. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm having fun with that one. This yeah. kind of came to me um, maybe a month ago, so I'm still playing with it and sharing it. And yeah, I love it, Britta. Hey. <laughs> right, Britta filter. <laughs> <I knew>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know I want to be mindful of time. Um, mm-hmm. We are coming close to the end of an hour, so I I would love to give you an opportunity to to share you know, where people can find you. If -hmm. you're hosting, you know, workshops or trainings coming up, are you taking on new clients? Um, Mm -hmm. How do you prefer people follow you, find you, all of that stuff? Yeah. So uh, currently I am taking on new clients. Um, Right now with our current situation, it's um, switched to more online sessions but i imagine that that's going to return back to in-person sessions again Mm -hmm. i work out of a home office and um and so how to reach me um i guess uh you'll post it with the the notes but it's uh the website is soma integrative counseling.com and soma s-o-m-a integrative counseling with two l's.com and uh, there um, you can get more information about what I offer as a, I, uh, as a psychologist in my work and what I offer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because so the course that I teach annually is a yoga life coaching program, which is for yoga teachers who want to work one-to-one or facilitate group work. Um, yeah. Highly recommend it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and that course is in India so every year in the fall mid-October to November it's a 10-day program and people get a chance to immerse themselves in the Indian culture in the ashram uh, up in the Himalayas and Mm -hmm. so that course I've been teaching for many years in different forms and so that course is always available every year Um, however I'm starting to now look at doing more online trainings and so if you have an interest uh, please contact me directly Mm because right now I'm starting to formulate some ideas around this because um, as it gets harder to travel I've had to cancel a few trainings um, that I'm starting to now consider moving more to online trainings and this past weekend I taught uh, a workshop for yoga MCC 
mm-hmm. and their mindfulness meditation program. And I, I just really loved the experience of teaching on Zoom. So I think that's going to be part of my work as well moving yeah. forward. Awesome. Mm, that's so good. Are you on Instagram or Facebook? Uh, Facebook, I am. Okay. Um, yeah. Wonderful. And under my spiritual name, um, Prem is my spiritual name. Mm-hmm. And then Robin Campbell, Prem Robin Campbell. Um, and so the spiritual name is um, what I received when I was initiated into this uh, type of uh, yoga tradition in mm-hmm. India in 2003. And Prem means love. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. with spiritual names is like what your, your dharma or your purpose in life to further expand and grow in. Yeah. And so, yeah. Mm, beautiful. Um, I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I have one other question before I dive into that. Is there, is there anything else left unsaid or, or any little threads to pick up? Um, or do you feel complete in, in what we've chatted about? I think um, that we'll post the uh, window of tolerance diagram mm-hmm. for your listeners. Yeah. Um, so that having that visual as well will probably help. And if that interests you, um, the book Mindsight is a great book. Uh, but any work in, of Daniel Siegel, he also has work uh, around parenting as well. So if yeah. you're a parent, you so know, many you know, books for yeah, adolescents and children. Yeah, and adolescents. Yeah. And, yeah. and so if you're a parent you want to know uh, how to apply the window of tolerance in, in that, yeah. um, he goes into that. Um, but otherwise, I, I feel like pretty complete. I feel like uh, appreciated uh, you bringing personal experiences to this as I um, was sharing some of my um, more professional experiences and some of the theory that I felt like our conversation felt really um, integrative in that way. So mm. really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yes, thank you. You know, and before I even dive into my last question, um, so w- back to Daniel Siegel, I, I just, maybe it was like a year ago, I, I listened to his um, Wheel of Awareness meditation mm-hmm. for the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, um, an epiphany while listening to it that it really felt like the masculine version of Yoga Nidra. Mm. You know, because it was just very directive and it was just, yes. you know, very clear yes. this is what we're doing. Whereas Yoga Nidra is more of the feminine yeah. of this exploration. Yeah. Um, but it, it's the same thing. Yeah. Do you feel that? Yeah, actually, that's really interesting. I never put that together, but now that you say it, I, I sense it. Um, and I, I, I've been feeling more and more wanting to find the middle between the two because yeah. I'm definitely, even though I'm in a, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm a man, I'm also more drawn to the feminine approaches to many yeah. things in life and meditation being one of those things. But lately, I've been really wanting more of that structure and wanting more of that direction. Yeah. Um, because in the being in the experience, I can sometimes slip into the hypo without knowing. Yeah. And so having a bit of structure keeps me a bit more in my window. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been practicing for the last little bit is finding the the middle ground between the two um i'm going to send you a couple of the meditations i've recorded recently and i would love your uh, your feedback and i'll just put that out to anybody who's listening um if you want to listen to these couple meditations as well just send me a note and i'll send them but uh yeah i i would be very fascinated to to hear (laughs) about your experience and listening to those so Mm -hmm. i'll do that um okay so my last question, finally. Now, one of the things that uh, occurred to me when I started this podcast was um, that I also have this curiosity um, around plant medicine and cannabis. And, um, and I had this idea initially that I would also start this sister podcast called the, the ZYX to live your dope life. And the premise with that, with that would be that after I have a conversation on the ABCs, to then open up an invitation um, to potentially do another conversation. Um, Initially, when I was presenting this, it was, you know, to both ingest a little bit of cannabis before engaging in a conversation. And part of the reason for that as well was to offer some education around the benefits of like microdosing or just being very intentional and mindful with your use of these um, 
consciousness expanding substances. Uh, and in some recent reading that I've been doing, um, to I've, I've realized um, or discovered that green exercise, so working out outside, being out in nature, actually has a very similar effect as plant medicine, um, depending on the dosage. And, you know, as I've, I've been opening up this conversation and just kind of feeling the own, my own sensations as I engage in it, you know, I am very curious and I, there's a part of me that's just like this, um, I guess, rule breaker, uh, <laughs> you know, fiery person that just wants to do something that's a little bit, whether you call it inappropriate or just kind of out there a little bit. Um, and I don't want to push drugs or, or make anybody think that that's what they should be doing because it actually is a very slippery slope. And depending on your state before you ingest and who you're with and the environment you're in, it can actually create problems. Um, and so why I kind of added all that in there is because when I, I do want to have another conversation with you and I don't know the dates yet of when this will happen summer times in my mind. Um, but I want you to be comfortable in this conversation as well. And so whether it's a micro dose of, of cannabis or, intentionally going out and being in nature for an hour and then connecting to be able to really show that this is not actually about plant medicine. It's not about cannabis. This is about different ways that we can expand our consciousness and what happens when we engage in conversation after that. Wow. That's, that's really, that's really like, um, really, I don't know what the right word is, but it's like having me think about a lot of things yeah. and, um, I actually can imagine for myself that it'd be really neat to have a conversation for the two of us out in nature. Yeah. And, um, and there's so many beautiful places that we live close to. And one thing that I love practicing is something called forest bathing, mm -hmm. which um, when I have explored um, some um, microdosing in the past is that it felt very similar to forest bathing for me, where it's just really allowing my sensory experience to really open up to experience where I'm at yeah. and, um, and to be in a forest and to be in the awe of the forest and taking it all in, drinking it all in. And so, yeah, I love maybe a forest bathing and then a conversation to follow. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. yeah, I like that. So once social distancing is yeah. in the past and the sun is shining and we can <laughs> go wander into a, a forested area and, and then have a, a conversation on the universe and consciousness. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. And I really appreciate your time and your wisdom um, and your heart. I just mm -hmm. always love being in conversation and being in space with you so thank you for you have yeah. really enjoyed this mm, good first <laughs> podcast <Woo>. yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'm sure there will be many more coming your way uh, and yeah, at least another one from me so yeah mm. we'll stay in touch and we'll we'll create another plan to to dive deep again perfect mm -hmm. all right sweet well anything left unsaid how you feeling great good? excellent Amazing. All right. Well, signing off then. Thank you everyone for listening. And if you have any questions or want to reach out, everything will be in the show notes. And until next time. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, -E, or on my website under that same title, dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.